Jin Dobre Jechi, it's episode 23 of the Flurza Experience, a show about cards and Gwent and flesh and blood, and as of today, Marvel Snap, too. I got Marvel Snap access today. And uh, there's actually today, so today being July 6th, Mr. Pavel Berza, um, first question is, is can you hear my air conditioner buzzing? No, oh, I perfect. cannot. Amazing. So it can stay uh, cool while we do this. But the the wonderful part is that there's so many different card games that are, are out there now, new ones being announced and released. And just today, uh, by the time this gets put out there, it'll be old news. But just today, like a couple minutes ago, we all found out that, what is it called? Rogue Mage? Rogue Mage is coming out. Yeah. This, so this is what Golden Necker Project was, correct? Yes. Yeah. So everybody yes. who was kind of like, can you tell us more? About the Golden Necker Project. Well, so here we there go. There it is. What's yeah, the, Rogue Mage. What's the move? I'm just curious. What's the move about just not... About just dropping it? It feels like not so much like you planned to release it. It's just... It feels like you guys were driving down the highway. You hit a speed bump and it fell out of the trunk. And you guys are like, well, screw it. We're not turning back. Here it is. No, it's... To be honest, it's been something that been, we've been working on for quite some time. Uh it was hard to find a good release date for it. And we wanted to tie it somehow, since it's an it's a expansion to Gwent, we wanted to tie it to some other good stuff that will be happening in the game. And Black Sun also felt like a good time, especially that when we updated, we added those files into the game client. So the game is technically the majority of the game, the, the, you know, the skeleton of the game is there within the client itself. So. Uh, we want to have those two releases close to each other. Um, plus, wanted to do it in the summertime so we can then later move on and focus on other things. And it was just a project that I felt like we postponed a couple times um, when it comes to the release date. So pretty much we decided that, you know, now would be the best time. Um, the sooner the better, and we just want players to actually get to you know play it and experience it finally. Uh, because yeah, like I said, since we kind of moved it around a lot of times, for me, it's just happy to finally announce it. Um, because it's been something that's been you know we've been kind of waiting to do, and yeah, so that's why it's just coming out out of the blue. Um, and it was cool because we got to partner with um, IGN with Ryan from IGN. So he was excited for it. We sat down with him. We guided him through the game. And he made a super nice article detailing everything that uh, came out today. And yeah, uh, we're recording this on a Wednesday. And um, the game comes out on Thursday this week. So Heck when yeah. you're watching this, it's already out. So I hopefully you played it. You checked it out. If you have any feedback, ideas, questions, feel free to reach out. Oh, yeah. it's it's there. It is on my queue as unknown game, as it were. Uh, yeah. I got uh, hooked up with a code for it, which I'm very, very happy and excited for. And nice. um, now you mentioned it was delayed. When was the original target date out of curiosity? Uh, there were a couple, to be honest. Um, we were thinking we were also thinking about the scope of the overall project, like um what we wanted to position it as and we felt like an expansion for Gwent would be good because we've kind of seen that a lot of players were um, looking for something that would be kind of closed within its own 
boundaries, let's say. It's not like a game that evolves and is, you know, monthly updated. It's more of a thing that is, um, you know, contained within its own single-player realm. And kind of a lot of people after Witcher 3, what they want is, is a single-player version of, of Gwent. And this is kind of catering to those players or to players that enjoy roguelikes like Slay the Spire, for example. This is kind of something along the lines, but still it is more drawn into into Gwent um, as Gwent is right now. Sweet. So all of the speculation about what ne- Golden Necker Project, I mean, it was kind of reshaped and kind of a lot of those fires were put out when you mentioned that it was like PvE or single player. And now here we are. I'm excited again. Like yeah. I was, I think I mentioned, was it last week or recently either way that I was, I play a lot of single player campaigns now, especially with Terror, the path of champions. I was all over that. Uh, it's kind of like my time killer when I'm like on the train, when I'm, you know, if I've got like 30 minutes while uh, something's in the oven or whatever, like it's, it's, it, it's my little mini escape. Um, and because it, it just, rev- removes the stresses of winning and losing which sometimes can be problematic and again sometimes you just don't want to care about winning and losing you just want to accomplish a goal you want that quick little dopamine hit you want the buzzes and the bells and whistles to go off sometimes you just want to play single player content and i totally get that there are players that enjoy that more because as you know whenever you're playing any multiplayer game getting into a game that has a multiplayer aspect and has uh, a lot of cards and to kind of the, the kind of anxiety that just comes with all this information that you can either jump into or that will, you know, it just feels overwhelming. I, I, I kind of get it because, you know, I've been learning flesh and blood now. So it's, it's, it's the same feeling. No. Um... On the one hand, you want to start and learn something new. At the other hand, you're kind of afraid and overwhelmed by the amount of things that you are here to learn and understand. And you're getting out of your comfort zone in order to learn something new and 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 try to you you know get all this information and kind of live with it and 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 the experience for you know any type of card game and the multiplayer aspect and the latter aspect and and all that is that in the beginning it's very very difficult to get into like card games are not easy games they're not you know something that you pick up you play on your couch and then you move on it's something that you really need to get into the ins and outs. You need to understand the interactions. You need to understand the sequencing. You need to understand the triggers. You need to understand a million other things. And there are still interactions that will surprise you. There are still cards and plays that will surprise you. Um, You can read the cards as many times as you want to, but when you actually get into a game and you're playing against someone else, you kind of see how the cards work in, in the system, let's say. Which is, you know, not a, it's not for everybody. And that's why I kind of believe card games have always been kind of a niche and have been geared towards a specific audience. And it's a different audience than the, you know, typical, let's say, couch gaming uh, type of person that, you know, buys a console and plays FIFA, Call of Duty, and, you know, all the, all the big names. And, you know, it's a, it's, it's, it's a, different, it's a different audience. So, yeah, I mean, this is something that that we all need to kind of take into account. And some players just like the... I'm not saying that Rogue Mage is easy, because it's not. Uh, because there are some battles that get hard, and also depending on how you kind of progress and how you make the game easier or harder for yourself with all the 
things that you kind of accumulate throughout your run, um, you're able to progress to a certain extent and defeat stronger and stronger uh, monsters and encounters, and then you kind of go back. And it has a nice little story around it um, with Alzer and kind of the creation of the first Witchers and kind of the, the, the tribulations that, that he goes through and things that are happening there. So it's more, it's more for people that like a little bit of story, that like single-player gameplay and kind of like the, rogue, the, you know, the roguelike aspect of it that you know, every run is different instead of you uh, taking the same de deck to ladder and playing it over and over and mastering your craft as a, as a card game player slash ladder player. So you're, again, and like the single player is a, is a whole different experience and um, you, you kind of play on your, own, on your own time. You play it uh, without any of the consequence of losing rank. There's no, you know, it's challenging. It's the same thing. Like Path of Champions in Legends of Runeterra is not easy. It is absolutely not easy. The first couple, you know, steps in the journey are are pretty straightforward. You're like, oh, is this all it is? It feels like playing a tutorial. And then all of a sudden, things get difficult. And then what's fascinating about those PVEs is like, you get pissed off. Like you get, you get, <laughs> you kind of get your like, F this guy, you know, like I'm going to. So then you have to work to level up your dude to so that you're strong enough to face off against yeah. those roadblocks. And then when you finally complete one leg of the journey, you're like, thank you like it's just so much more rewarding not like in ladder where like all right another game of playing against um you know assimilate or another game of playing against like oldham control or whatever which you are definitely a fan of now from what you told me you're so excited over the past couple of days of sending me messages of like oldham's my bro oldham's my guy so talk I've been to me a little bit of everything but you've kind of settled on um Big Papa Oldham. I was, um, I started with him. It was my first deck that I played. I, I borrowed a Blitz deck from, I think it was Mr. Epic. So he brought his Oldham or it was, or Ryan, I don't remember. And I started with that. Then I played a little bit of uh, Bri Briar, Briar. Mm -hmm. um, after that, uh, I think I tried Fi once. And after that, uh, I also got, I haven't played this one yet. Uh, the name is, the name is Dromai. I want to play it. I, I it's, a, it's, a, it's a high skill one. Um, so that's, that's one that I, that I got. And yeah, I have four decks at, at the moment. They're all Blitz decks. Um, and I went yesterday, on, because this is today's Wednesday. Yeah, yesterday, Tuesday. To meet up with the um, the Warsaw Flesh and Blood community, and there was like a judge. There was uh, Dual Funnel there. You know him, mm -hmm. uh, one one of the better players uh, in Fab in, in Poland. And he, yeah, they pretty much you know showed me the ropes of the game, and we got this um, this this starter deck also to play. But me and Ryan were already because I went with Ryan, and I'm like Ryan, let's go, let's because we. We went after work. We're like Ryan, let's go, let's go play some fab, you know, after work because we'll have time to actually jam some games. So he went with me to the to the meetup, and we played, I think, three or four games. First, we played with the um, uh, with the starting deck. I don't remember what that starting hero is. It's like a ninja. Uh, is it Katsu? It an no. Oh, Ira. Uh, uh, Ira. So yeah, we start with Ira. Um, 
I like played one game. We pretty much milled ourselves and nothing was really <laughs> happening. <laughs> we were just, here's a little bit of damage, here's a little bit of nothing. And it was kind of, you know, dun, 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 dun. And then after that, we went back to playing our own decks. So first we played with, uh, he played with Chain. And that's a cool deck. Um, like playing cards from the banished zone, freaking amazing. Chain was... Um... Chain was essentially. Remember last episode? I think we were talking about the how Dagon was the best deck that ever existed in Gwent. Period. Um, yeah. Chain was the best deck that ever existed in Flesh and Blood. Period. It had no bad matchups. It was essentially seventy-five to eighty percent of the meta at a particular time. And then they they banned um one. They banned like one common, one yeah. common. They banned and. It brought it down to a level where it was beatable, but it was still very good. Then they continued to ban things and change things, but ch everyone kept like, oh, well, is Chain really that good anymore? And then people were like, the good Chain players were like, uh, let's find out, and kept winning tournaments. So it's a high skill cap hero, Im immensely high skill cap. At the yeah. calling in Las Vegas, it was a Blitz tournament. I I asked, like, again, I, 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 I'm privileged to be able to play with national champions and calling winners like i'm i'm within a testing group that has some of the best players in the world and i asked them and they're like chain is the best deck if you're willing to yeah. put in the work so i started with briar in the blitz tournament I, like i that was where i was going and then i was like let me just let me just watch a chain game and i watched them play chain and i was like this is insane so i put in the yeah. work and i played chain at the calling and i went undefeated and it was i went 6 and 0 but it was a team event and my partners um, didn't always win, so as a team we went three and three. But I personally went six and zero, oh, and now I'm I'm just completely, completely, just into chain. Uh, it's 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 high skill cap, like it is the it's definition high, of yeah. high skill cap. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we played that. Um, I couldn't get through like all the arcane damage that he was doing to me, uh, and I think that's pretty much what what kind of won him in the game but he also like self-wounded himself a lot so it was down to like the wire but last uh round he pretty much got me got me he got me good um and after that he played briar and i played oldham and i and i and i got him with oldham yeah um, also was was i had like just three turns where it was like eight damage ten damage ten damage so he was just running out of cards and it was funny to see kind of the moment where the game pivoted because first he was applying a lot of pressure on me and I had to be on the defense, defense, defense. And then there was a pivot and we started, uh, I started kind of, you know, packing punches. And once Oldham starts, you know, putting like cards together, applying a lot of frostbite and uh, getting this this card that lets the next attack guardian attack action cost one less mm -hmm. you you pretty much are getting into a state where you're very very unstoppable and yeah i was i was talking to to do a funnel yesterday and we kind of agreed that the game is very very well balanced in the state that it is right now and that we're also right now like because they were all playing like the the constructed version so they had the beefy decks they had the equipment in these slabs yeah baby which when i looked when i looked at their play mats which were like super nice and the things in like the cards and slabs i'm like man that's that's a lot of money on one table um 
all of them foiled, of course, and, and beautiful. And uh, they're like, yeah, if you want to get into constructed like equipment, we we try to bar borrow amongst each other um, to make it easier because you know th these things are the, the the most like the most expensive parts of the decks. Yeah. So easy, but if you want to get into it, like let us know. Um, because yeah, we'll we'll get you on. They're also talking about the meta right now that it's still kind of solving itself. Because it is. It's I think fresh. It will, yeah, it's fresh. And I kind of, I'm kind of started following stuff related to the game. I'm kind of seeing that Odem is is going to be good, like the frost, the frost related, um, you know, characters are going to be doing quite well. Heroes, heroes yeah, well, or characters. Oh, the heroes. Yeah, but the. Yeah. Like the meta is in a state where new cards just came out and bans went live, so um, it's it's a complete sort of shakeup. And the beautiful part about this is that it's there's no online client, right? So there's no there's no thousands and thousands of games being That's churned out. That's what he also out. said. Yeah. yeah. So and it's all regional because what what your buddy like Do a Final says might not necessarily be true in the Canadian meta or the yeah. American meta. And even exactly. then, like I actually, so yesterday I recorded, uh, I recorded an episode of Instant Speed, and on it we had Hayden Dale, who's like a calling champion. He won uh, Road to Nationals. He's just like one of the top players in the game, and we were just chatting about the about the meta and how how regional it can be. And you know, he was saying, and like I said, I'm like, look, it can be as specific as your your own LGS. It can be as broad as your entire continent, but things change because when you're going to Paris to play in the Pro Tour, you have a different game plan. It's the same thing as like in Gwent when you're, you have a deck and a testing group that tests deck on ladder. Your deck for ladder is not going to be your deck necessarily for a particular tournament, you're, you, you, but it's opposite because your deck that you're bringing to your regional is more like your tournament deck. Where you yeah. know more or less what's going to happen, you know what the strategies may be, the targeting, the this, the that. So you're going to prepare for that. But when you're going into a broader scope of the world, that like the people who played in New the New Jersey Pro Tour, they may have been all stars in their little regional like areas. Mm -hmm. But once they got thrown into the pool, it was like you're just a guppy, and these sharks are going to just <laughs> just eat you up. And that's kind of what happened. It was. It, like we've had the discussion a lot about how, uh, you know, there's obvious bias for myself and for the people that I talk to because many of us are North American based. Many of our yeah. um, tournaments are going to be within North America, and we were just saying, I'm like, yeah, I wonder how New Jersey is going to play out. And uh, my buddy Tan and Tan and Grace, another mm -hmm. caster for Fab, said he's like, I think the Europeans are going to come in and just absolutely rail on everybody because I, <laughs> I I don't know if they're more prepared for it. And North America is a little bit more isolated because they just know, like, but, and that was basically what happened. Like, the Euros came in, and I think the best uh, we did, I think it was like we had a Canadian in the top four, like Isaac Kroot, who plays out of Harry Tarantula, where his shirt is from. Uh, nice. I, Isaac Kroot is like my kryptonite, this freaking kid. I finally, finally beat him. I beat him. I have to say this. I know this isn't, he's not going to listen to this. But Isaac Kroot is one of the best players. He's a he's a uh, one of the top card game players in Magic, in Flesh and Blood, whatever. In nice. all of my journeys that I've ever played against him, I've never beaten him. And he's he he looks like he's super young. I think he's in his twenties. Uh, very quiet, very you know nice young guy. 
And those every are time, the best. Yeah, those are the best. You don't like, you don't expect them. I call him like I call him the Iceman. He's essentially Isaac Cruz, the Iceman. He says nothing. He does nothing. Like he just plays and he beats you, and that's what he does. And and he's the nicest kid. Anyway, I never beaten him in any of the major tournaments I've played against him. RTNs, pro quests, everything. My victory is that I've I've made him laugh. That was like that was my <laughs> victory. I so we're playing a draft. I'm like it was a Monday draft amidst a, a road to national season. And I said, I'm like, I'm going to go play at the Harry T draft on a Monday. I'm like, how many people could possibly be there? Like, it's a Monday, you know? Usually yeah. these are on weekends, people go. So I, I talked to my buddy, Dave Rude, who runs Harry Tarantula. I said, Dave, who's going to be at this draft? How many people registered? He's like, oh, there's only eight registered. So I was like, oh, <laughs> easy pickings. I'm going to go score myself a cold foil. I show up, there's like, ultimately, there's like, I think there was 13 people who showed up. Yeah. 13, no, uh, 12 people who showed up. I'm like, okay, 12 people. Sounds cool. So, 12 people, Isaac's there, and I'm like, god damn it. All right, fine. So, this the, the way that the tournament system worked is it didn't give us two pods of six. It made us in a, tw- a pod of 12 for some reason. They said, this is how you're supposed to do it, so we did it. And it, I got paired up against Isaac in round one. <laughs> so we're all drafting. And meanwhile, Dave's like, oh, it, re- it resorted the pairings. So these are not your actual pairings. So don't worry. <laughs> like, you don't have to play against Isaac. I was like, thank God. They resort the pairings. I have to play against Isaac. Like, there's every- <laughs> everybody started laughing. They're like, everybody got a new pair except for Flake. Flake still has to play against Isaac. And I was like, oh, my God. I beat him. And my reward for beating him was to play against a multiple ProQuest winner, this guy named Sean Dollywall, who is another Pro pro Tour player. So I had to beat him, and then I got to the (laughs) round three, and I played against Icelander. Uh, It was Sean Dollywall's little cousin, and I I beat him, and I felt terrible. Icelander is really cool. That's a really cool... Icelander is amazing, but I'm just glad that for you, you are finding that you're like, oh no, this is my guy. So I want to show yeah. you something real quick. I think it's very easy in this game. Like I've I also talked with 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 Ufano. He's like, if, once you pick your your favorite like class, you stick to it, right? Yeah. And you get move stuff in between guardians, ninjas, and others. But when you stick to one, when you choose one, you stick to one. It was the first one I played, and I just like that he has some aspects of control and like messing up your opponent's plays by forcing them to discard stuff, by applying Frostbite to make their stuff like, you know, more expensive. But also, when he smacks, he has that hammer for a reason there, right? He just goes in and beats the living crap out of people, which I just like. And then they have to, oh my God, I have, and, and, and you have to like, I love the setup in the game. It was very hard for me to learn it. It was very hard for me to like, transition my mentality from uh the magic mentality where like play a land go it's like no i need to think about what i'm pitching for how much resource i need to be managing those resources based off of that i need to be thinking okay you know the fusing cards with earth with ice it's just there's so much complexity within the game that i was i felt like a breath of fresh air or on the one hand on the other hand i felt like i was really experiencing something new in the card game genre which i haven't for quite a long time yeah i think the last time was when we you know started working on single player gwent so that was kind of like oh this gameplay is totally different 
The uh, resource system for for Flesh and Blood is in, incredible. I think it's very smart. It's very dynamic. Um, the 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 logic that a lot of the top players have is that there are no bad hands. There are only bad players, and um, that that rings true because a good player will take a bad hand and make something out of it. Not saying that your hands are going to be spectacular, but I'm so glad that you've come around and you've turned that corner because a lot of new players are initially not wowed by the game because they're playing the basic decks where the equipment blocks for one. It doesn't do anything too special. The weapons are very basic. Once you start fleshing out new characters, new interesting cards, um, cards that do fun stuff, um, that do unique things, that's where you start realizing that the heroes are not necessarily just unique. They have like an, a play style, an ideology, uh, a, a way to look through them and, and really identify with how they play. Like you mentioned chain and how complex chain can be. And you're saying that, you know, like being, having chain played against you where they have to accumulate blood debt and do things like that, where yeah. those are punishing, like they're, it's incredible. Like chain, that's why chain is so high skill cap because as the game progresses, it's like you're continuously injecting your hero with adrenaline, oh. adrenaline, adrenaline, and like you have to release that energy somehow. Otherwise, he'll just hurt himself. And um, it's a really, really cool aspect. This is the box that I'm building to give to you. Um, and it's got and it has a damn bro. That's and, a lot of cards. Oh, oh it's and there's plenty more. This is an official tournament. Flesh and Blood nice. deck box. I have two of them. I got two of them, so I'm going to give you one of them. My other one is over oh there. My that God. One. And I'm filling it with all kinds of extras that I'm going to bring to you, but if you say that you're an Oldham stan, if you're committed to Oldham, yeah. I'm going to go through um, my binder and I'm going to give you... I'm going to find you a Winter's Whale, like the Ice Hammer. I'm going to get... I have that. Oh, you I got have that. Oh, yeah. It's not an I expensive card. I got a foil. Card. I got a foil of it. A cold foil I or a rainbow go- foil? Uh, I need to check. You'll know. I don't. Know if I don't, it's, I, you'll know if it's cold I don't. Foil. I don't know what's the. I don't know what's the difference. Oh. I don't know what's the difference between so, rainbow and cold foil. I like I, I don't. Have, I don't get it. So cold foils. I think I've got some over here. I also. Oh no! I don't have. I have. Don't I have. I have Titan's fist cold foil. Like I don't know if you can see, but this is a cold foil of a uh equipment. It just looks much more metallic. Oh, it's like okay. it's much more metallicized. Um, they don't curl. They're just, and they're just much more exceptionally rare versus like a rainbow foil is just like a standard, like it doesn't okay. look, you see, it like doesn't look as, as more, co- more colorful, yeah. colorful, colorful. So yeah, I have, no, I don't have uh whale or whatever it's called. I have Titan's fist cold foil and the, 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 let's say the old, olden uh, armory pro- promo of, uh, of all them though because i only have the young version but i also got the i got the old version i have a know, uh, adult oldham cold foil signed by james white and that is oh nice yeah i, I can't give yeah. you that one i'm sorry that no, one. no 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 um, you keep that but i'm so glad that you're you're getting into it but I'm, I'm building you this nice little care package for you and ryan and i guess for repec you guys can go through what's in nice. here and share it but i have so much i mean i'm not saying it's garbage but i've, I've a lot of bulk and Rather than put it in a box, like I keep five copies of every card, and I know I only need three, but sometimes nice. I have so many times that our friends were like, "Do you have one copy of this or one copy of this?" I'm like, "Yes, I do." So, 
these are for you guys because I want you guys to enjoy uh-huh. it. But um, yeah, I kind of miss this. I kind of miss this in Magic. Like people in Magic also used to share cards more amongst each other, and then they became more greedy. I, I feel like, and with Flesh and Blood, I feel like this community is still shaping, and everybody's just. You know, just helping one, you know, one, the one that has something that the other wants, they just give it to them and they share stuff. It's, it's something that makes me even more kind of, you know, into the, 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 the you know, just playing the game in, in flesh and blood, right? Yeah. It's, it's just so good. It's so, it's the good stuff about humanity that you don't see very often. I know. And this is, this is something that doesn't, ring true until you realize what you're missing in a sense because there was no greater joy for me than saturdays driving driving downtown picking up alias and um alias v and her husband and driving to -to face-to-face games to go do a magic draft or go do standard uh and then afterwards going to anw and having a burger with my friends like that was my absolute favorite thing and we knew there were certain players that would be there that we knew we're like oh there's so-and-so there's so-and-so and there were certain players that were there that were like, oh, there's so-and-so, like, F that <laughs> loser. Uh, but no, we weren't like that. But in Flesh and Blood right now, like, there's when I go to Harry Tarantula for a draft or a tournament, I'm like, I know I'm going to see these people, and it's going to be a blast. And I, I know a lot of people, you know, are try to be nice to me because of who I am within Flesh and Blood, but there's a lot of yeah. people who I knew before I was anybody in Flesh and Blood. When I my first... My first time there, uh, there were people that were at the draft on Monday whom I had not seen since um, like six months prior because they, they left the game um, to focus on other things and they got lured back in. They're like, I have to play this again. Like, it's just so good. And seeing yeah. them again. But these are players where I haven't seen them in so long. They're like, so what have you been up to uh, since like I stopped playing? I'm like, well, I'm on their casting roster now and I'm <laughs> going to France and I'm doing all this stuff. They're like, holy hell. Like, I remember... When I met you, we were playing, and you were told, telling me you were a card game player, card game caster, and I'm glad that it worked out. Like those are the kinds of things, and it's yeah, it's like you don't get it. It's amazing. But um, new cards in came out in Gwent, and that's always super awesome. And um, I want to just dig into a little bit to that. We didn't we didn't really have a road pl- a roadmap for this particular episode, no. I, but there's but part of it is because there's so much going on. So yeah, I think that is fine to just tackle it. But I played uh, I played yesterday. Um, I I did some thriving, some thrive related stuff. And I wanted to dig into something specifically about the cards eventually, because um, on the Reddit thread, somebody's like, I just want to hear Flake rant about adding more scenarios to the game. Uh, this is from actual uh, act- Actuator Opposite, 1624. And um, uh, I, I, I do want to talk about scenarios. Uh, I absolutely you do want to talk about c- scenarios. You do. You know I do, because I, I do not like cards of that nature, like build around framework you know. style cards. Um, it's because of your Star Wars P- PTSD. Not only that, I'm not look. Of course, that that influences it. Um, I'm just not a fan of like, for instance, Star Wars was the most egregious in terms of this because the card literally said the the cards would tell you what you can and cannot play, and it yeah. it gave you it told you like this starts on the board, this plays this, and this is how you progress in the game. So frankly, people were like, it's like it's like having the object like the the card was called an objective. And the objective was like, you need to go to this restaurant and people figured out what the best way to drive there was, you know, like, it's just like, well, you Mm -hmm. take a left here, you go here, you go here. That's the most efficient way to do it. So people would basically build the most efficient route to get to this, 
to complete their objective to have massive bonuses throughout the rest of the game. Quests in Hearthstone are the same way. Quests start in your hand. Uh, same thing like objectives. Objectives started on the board. So the 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 way that those cards were, those decks were essentially built, I wasn't a fan of them because it really took a lot of the the deck design agency out of it. I find scenarios are not as egregious because they don't start in your hand. So you're not guaranteed to have them. You're not guaranteed to, to benefit or profit by them, whereas mm-hmm. the other games are more egregious. I'm, I'm not ranting as much as I want to explain to people and be clear that it's the style of cards, much like people do not like artifacts or people yeah. do not like... Um, um, you know, enchantments. enchantments or things like that. Counter spells. Counter spells. Style cards. Bingo. <laughs> Anybody who doesn't like these style cards, it's the same way. I don't like scenarios, not because of the power level of the cards, because there are there are cards with immense power levels as well. Um, but I don't like the card because what it does to shape metas and shape deck building, and um, maybe that's just me, but a card with such a huge payoff typically has very minimal amounts of latitude to build around them optimally. Therefore, Mm -hmm. you are kind of removing um, a lot of creativity, a lot of variety amidst the meta. Now, that's not to say that you have to play them, because in other card games, like especially in in Star Wars, there were no decks, no decks that played that were non-objective. Once that card, that type of card was printed, people were like, this is the only way you can play this game if you want to win. Mm-hmm. Scenarios to me felt the same way. Okay. Like again, I, 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 I like the like the design of them are okay. First of all, <laughs> let's just also <laughs> rewind a little bit and say like, did Gwent copy all these other? No, we're not going to go down that route. But <laughs> it was just funny. But um, scenarios are. I, I think that scenarios. I mean, do they hurt the game? I don't think they necessarily hurt the game. They hurt the deck design uh, aspect. Maybe they, maybe, maybe they, like I, like I can agree that they kind of limit you in terms of deck design, or they influence deck design in a sense that you kind of feel like you have to run them within your deck to some extent, and they like, and kind of your deck building, like kind of circles around it because you need to be hitting like the things in order to progress them, right? So those things need to happen. But, I mean, don't we have cards like that in any other card game that we also play? We kind of do. Well, for instance, I mean, I'm trying to think. Like, build-around cards typically are win conditions in their own right. Um, yeah. And this is not a win condition. This is something that provides... It's a round win condition. I it's mean, a round win condition, yeah. Like it, it provides you tempo in a given round. It provides you, I don't know, it gives you, it gives you gas, right? Yeah, I, I'm not... A, listen, I'm, my, my... I know, I know. No, no, but my criticism of the card is not necessarily the power level of being a win condition. Mm-hmm. It's that if, let's say, if you're playing Haunt, you're like, okay, um, I got, it has to be Death Wish themed, so that's fine. So what are the best Death Wish cards? What are the ones that have the most utility? And then you build around that. Um, same thing with like trap related decks and or uh, not trap related sorry um, Fain Death Fain Death and stuff mm-hmm. like that you gotta play elves yeah. and there's a little bit more you know to it than that I think that out of all the examples I mentioned I think that Gwent might be the least uh, aggressive in terms of pushing people into corners to build certain ways but then again I mean that doesn't say a whole lot because 
if you're playing Gettyneth, you're going to have to play the cultist package. And yeah. then what's the other element to it? I just, I just don't like scenarios um, because putting a scenario into a deck is not just putting a scenario into a deck. It's putting a scenario in all the best support cards for it, which then kind of limits. It, it's kind of like a paint-by-numbers, build-your-own-adventure kind of thing. And I kind of feel like it depends on what you're actually playing. I think Squirtle is, is not the best example because Squirtle no, has like yeah. multiple things that you can kind of go but into. Masquerade Ball... Masquerade Ball feels pretty, yeah. pretty much kind of. But that's you know, only in in ball in ball decks, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, Masquerade Ball is a build around deck. You got to put all your aristocrats, and you got to have the poison yeah. support. Okay, so the, yeah. that's kind of in there. Um, Gettyneth, which was kind of, which was kind of the the plan for the flavor of the of the archetype, right? That they're yeah. all they're I all like Voldaren uh, epicures or something like that yeah. that you would have in in uh, in MTG. So. Aristocrat vampires everywhere. In in other card games, I'm trying to wonder what would be the most build around cards. Like I'm thinking magic wise. Like I guess like a Ascent of the Second Sun. I think that was the one from Magic. Yeah. Like that was a win condition in itself. So you had to build around that. But the build around for that yeah. is stall, removal, life gain, get to get to that card, card draw. Like that was basically how that deck yeah. was played. Um, in Azorius, it's the in, in modern Azorius, it's it's the fairy you build around to fairy. Right? Yeah, to fairy yeah. is your win con. Well, to fairy. Teferi's kind of like the the like he's the The dude nail in the coffin. (laughs) Well, he's the nail in the coffin, definitely. But like once he's on the board, he's like the DJ at the party. Like if unless you unplug him, like he's gonna be he's gonna be choosing the music, you know. So exactly, you're stuck with it if you Um, like it or if you don't like it. But the new cards, I've I've have been playing with them. I played a couple hours yesterday, had a good time, and uh, how are the plants doing? Well, I played. Uh, that's what I played. I played Thrive. I wanted to see the new the new man trap. <laughs> see what that was all about. Uh, learning how it works. I like because it. I think when it eats, it double triggers Thrive, and I was like, this is a very very powerful mechanic. I thought that the ranged row uh, element to man trap was a little bit weak, but I think it was merely because I was just building the deck. Uh, like I didn't put too much thought into it. Like I started with the first. I started with playing the Gurnacora, like the Fruits of Isgith. Uh, uh, leader ability and i threw in the new scenario i played two games or with the new scenario three games with the new scenario i won two out of three games but i thought that the scenario was trash um i didn't think it was that good but i honestly also believe that i just wasn't exploring it enough to maximize it and once i got that out of the deck i put in like you know once you remove 14 provisions in a 11 provision hero you're like wow i have a lot of room to improve this deck and once that occurred, it was a lot. It was a lot better. But um, Thrive is fun. Thrive is just slamming monster boys down on the board, fat boys. And if you know, if you if you're a half decent player and can r- relatively read your opponent's hand, you're in a good spot because you know when to drop your she who knows. You know when to drop your big boys. And it was a lot of fun. It was honestly, it felt like it felt like Crimson Curse or pre Crimson Curse a little bit when playing. Um, you know, playing fat boy monsters and dropping, <laughs> dropping like your your twelve point um, spear tip, and then eating it with Ozra later, and you felt like a like a total champ. I'm like, this is what I wanted. I wanted a three card round three. I want to drop uh, a thirteen or fourteen point Osril. I want to drop uh, a Griffin for nine, and I want to drop uh, you know a Ghoul for like ten or yeah. something like that. Like that's what I wanted. That's the nastiness that really. 
got me like horny for old school old school fat boy monsters but yeah that's that's basically my uh exploration i got absolutely gooned i think i got gooned by uh status effect cultists in nilfgaard which was pretty cool yeah i i'm i'm still getting into it i've been playing a little bit of harmony but still figuring it out because there's a lot of cool decks that you can kind of get into there's like uh and and i want to try renfrey also in all these decks but i'm yet yet to do that but to be honest, I haven't had the time since we launched what yesterday. Yeah. And with all this stuff going on, the last uh couple of weeks was just crazy. Just crazy. Yeah, it feels yeah. crazy. But like the new the new cards again, um I will always pine for more. I will always, always pine for more. But uh, if these twenty some odd yeah. cards are listen, I mean it's just the it's it's the fact of the matter. I mean, I understand the limitations of the you know resources and such that can be put into the game to create and and hire and commission new art and animation it's a lot you know yeah art for 23 cards is a lot easier to or 25 cards or how many however many it is is a lot easier to digest than a, a set of 90 um i just honestly i honestly in my opinion i just feel like it's not sustainable um as impactful as these cards are you know, six months, 20 some odd cards. Uh, I understand the limitations. I understand where the roadblocks are. I just hope that it's uh, it's something that might change down the road. But it is, uh, yeah, it is I mean, what it is, right? The previous one was um, Forgotten Treasures was 21. I think this one's 27. And yeah, that's kind of that's kind of the, the idea. You know, once a couple months, um, a couple a couple more cards to kind of keep things going. Plus, um keeping things in a way that um we're doing monthly updates and also bringing stuff you know stuff back up into um to what it is and kind of um you know making making the cards and the and the and the archetypes more playable yeah um i also want to just uh briefly address one thing that actually really Ooh. lit a fire under my ass because it is Ooh. ultimately like super pathetic you don't have to comment on this at all uh okay if you don't want to um this past weekend i wasn't i wasn't at uh I, obviously i wasn't casting the event i wasn't watching it either i was out and about uh i went to the zoo on saturday which was awesome uh, i saw good friend don't of mine to the zoo. <laughs> but, so <laughs> there's a side like plot to that my buddy uh charmer a caster as well uh cast runeterra casts flesh and blood uh, he was in Canada for Canada Day, which was July 1st, uh, with his wife and his two kids. And his wife really likes the zoo, so they go to all different zoos wherever they go. And I've never been to the zoo. And there's a reason why I don't like going to the zoo, because I, I don't like caged animals. I just, it, it really, it breaks my heart. But I was like, well, I'm never going to, I don't get to see them very often, so let's just go, let's just see what it's about. So I went to the zoo, and there were there were parts where, you know, like seeing the... Um, the rhinos and all the space they had and the hippos and the pools that they were having fun in and whatever. That was like, oh, all right. Like, they seem like they're having a good time. I love rhinos. It's one of my favorite animals. <laughs> like, they're just these massive tanks. So I actually got to see rhinos for the first time in my life. And it was it was amazing. Like, I just wanted to sit there and watch them eat. Like, that's all I wanted to do. Like, they're, they're magnificent. But then you see, like, the monkeys and the orangutans and, like, the polar bears. It was like thirty some odd degrees outside, and I the feel polar bears for those animals. The, the polar bears were just hiding in the shade, 
And I, it just, it, that broke my heart. But ultimately, that's not what we're talking about. Um, I just, I, I like zoos are. I are, hate zoos, free the animals. Don't, yeah. don't do zoos for people. Uh, you know, it's good for it once you're a little kid to go once, but don't go there because, yeah. That's they're, it. They're, that's not where they should be. I know. And like, it's the story. It, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, but let's go. Let's go. Cause you're, cause you're, uh, there's, there's something there. Yeah. No, there is something there. Um, the, uh, what I want to discuss is not, why i wasn't casting that's a whole different story but the reason why i want to talk about it is like i saw all kinds of garbage and complete buffoonery like the absolute three ring circus that were m morons calling specie a traitor because he plays other games first of all oh don't get me started on that that's so bad that, that's why i'm gonna do it and you don't have to okay. because i can say these I will, things i will comment on it also oh, if i you will want comment to, by, on it also by all means so here's my deal and I've said it, I've, I've dealt with this too, because anytime that like, if I, when I used to get hired to do Mythgard tournaments, like I would get paid money to pay my rent, to live in this, you know, this nerd kingdom. Um, I, I, I need to pay rent. This is my career. So I would take jobs, uh, casting other games. The second that those were done, I would put it like a couple days later, I would fire up a stream. And people would come in and be like, oh, why don't you go play those other games, you traitor? It's like, get uh... the F out. So this is, we're just going to be very, very, very curt, short, and to the point. If you're one well, of those, what? sorry, yeah. go, yeah, go yeah, for go, it. Go. I, know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to cut you off now. Like, let, 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 I'll let you, like, get I don't want to ruin the, 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 the thought train. Sure. No, <laughs> uh, the thought train has been brewing and, and chugging for a while now, for years, frankly, yeah. about this, this whole topic. So here it is. Specy's an awesome human being. Um, every interaction I've had with him has been honest. It's been sincere. Um, him and I have a lot of conversations privately uh, because he's somebody who wants to get more into casting. And I have had the, the joy and the luck of being a caster for many years. I have a lot of experience and I'm more than happy to help him, give him advice and just help, you know, Guide, guide him a little bit when he needs a little bit of guidance. He's an awesome person. A great, great personality. A great spirit. Let him do whatever the f he wants. Whatever the hell he wants. If you are one of those losers who are in a chat with absolutely nothing better to do than to crap all over somebody who is living their best life, exploring whatever the hell they want to explore, playing whatever the hell they want to uh, play, you are a loser. And I'm absolutely confident in that fact and I don't care if you want to call. And people will be like, Flake's so negative. Yeah, about this? Abso-freaking-lutely I'm negative. Because there is nothing positive to squeeze out of somebody who is crapping on somebody for doing whatever the hell they want. So for all of you losers, because there's no other way to do it, who are calling Specy a traitor, who are calling Specy, you telling him to go back to whatever, get bent and go open the door and see that it's a broad, beautiful world out there with so many things to enjoy. Nobody eats cornflakes their entire life and nothing but it. People want variety. They want other things. And if he's found joy doing something else, he's also found joy in casting Gwen, as I do, as many other people do. So if you are one of those people who are crapping on another person, not necessarily specifically Specy, but in this case specifically Specy, please go reevaluate your view on life because 
they don't owe you anything. You can they can do whatever the hell they want, and they did a good job, and Specy did a good job casting the event. So get bent and get a fucking life, you loser. That's what I'm gonna say. Easy. That's Woo! it. That's it. And I'm and call me out, post it on Reddit, do whatever the hell you want. This has happened before to me where I I had choice words for people who got who did some bad things, and people posted on Reddit. And I don't give a crap because I am I am totally okay in calling those people losers because that's what they are. I mean, if we look into what's happening here, um, the, the the whole thing looks, in my opinion, this way: like our community cannot accept the fact that our content creators, streamers, casters are trying different things and are playing different things. Like, you know, even when I post things about Flesh and Blood, MTG, I think twice before I do it, because I know that I'll get instant criticism. Why aren't you playing when? Like, that's your job. That's, that's what you're known for. I am not exclusive to that. And same way, Spessy is not exclusive to, to Gwent. He can try different things. And he doesn't owe us anything in this sense. What he owes is a lot to himself and whatever makes him happy, whatever makes him uh, grow as a caster, streamer, content creator, he can choose the path that he wants. And he doesn't have to only be exclusive to CDPR and Gwen casting because he can have, you know, he can have a, his own, pretty much, you know, his own life and do whatever he wants. And, and it applies to Flake, it applies to Shinmir, it applies to Celie, it applies to Thea, Lionheart. You can do whatever you want because that's, that's the beauty of it. Like, we're all here, as I feel also this podcast has shown, more than just people working on Gwent and we're not exclusive to Gwent. We can do other things outside of that. And I feel like it's time to like broaden your perspectives and not be looking through binoculars and only seeing one thing, but seeing like in your peripheral that there is a lot of other things that can be going on in your life and other things that you can be doing. Instead of just being, you know, hellbent and stuck to one path, because I feel like it's 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 bad. And it's bad also for people to feel like they're entitled to tell other people what they should or should not yeah. be doing. Yeah. Calling them traitors for, you know, having fun, trying something different. And, you know, and, and especially has shown that he's able to cast on a high level. You have shown that you're able to cast on a high level and prepare in a way where you can you know, take the game apart and talk about all the plays and anticipate plays and like, you know, cast in an awesome level and also do things differently. Like you can play flesh and blood, you can cast flesh and blood, but you can also do Gwent related stuff. You're not exclusive to that. Same goes for Spessy. He can do snap contests. Uh, I mean, uh, snap casting, snap uh, creation when it comes to content creation, do things that he wants to. And he can go back and also cast Gwent on a super high level. And like you said, he's an awesome dude. I feel like he speaks his mind. His heart is pretty much on his hand. So, you know, you, you totally understand what the guy has to, has to say. He's just freaking amazing. And I've only met him once in person when he was in Warsaw. 
Um, maybe I don't stay in touch with the casters as much. Maybe Flake is the only exception where we we talk a lot. Um, but but we're like brothers from another mother. That's a different. That's a, that's a whole different story. But I feel like you know he doesn't owe us anything, and don't hold him accountable to that. Don't force him to be you know uh, you know stuck to Gwent and he can't do anything. And don't make him feel bad about it because I mean all these bad comments that I saw. It's just like, why would you do that? Why yeah. would you even care? Like, why are you defending him? Like, we don't need that from you. Well, like, we totally don't need that from you. <laughs> and he's he's too he's too kind and too considerate to a uh, to address these, and I'm sure the way that it needs to be addressed. So I'm gonna do it for him and tell all of you losers to go fly a kite because fly honestly, kite. I, I was waiting for fly a kite. Yeah, well, that's not what I wanted to say, but that's what we're going to say. But ultimately. That that's just the the fact of the matter. There's no in, like the entitlement and the absolute like fenced in seclusion that certain people have. That there there nothing else exists other than what they want to exist and what they what they are privy to. There's a wide world of card games out there and other things to enjoy other than Gwent. Many of which have been there long before Gwent. Many of which are just as good, if not better, than Gwent in certain cases. And you know what? Let people enjoy whatever the fuck they want. And if you don't like that, then get bent. And again, I have no qualms about calling this BS out because it is absolutely cowardly garbage. And uh, yeah, and if you feel otherwise, you can message me and we can have a chat. And I would happily have a video call with you so you can say it to my face so that it doesn't have to be hidden behind any kind of text on a on any kind of you know, uh, platform or Twitter or Reddit or whatever, because that's where most of this stuff happens. When it's faceless on a keyboard and in a Twitch chat or whatever, losers, all of you people who think that way, losers. There should be internet passports where you have to have to put in your real name and your last name and that's uh, show a copy, show a copy of your ID. That's dangerous. <laughs> all I'll say is that I if, know it is, but it, like, put like put your money where your mouth is like if you're if you're that type of person that you know is 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 one of those keyboard warriors i just want you to put oh, your for money sure. where your mouth there is are, like yeah there are people who are not even keyboard warriors there are streamers who have said some <laughs> things about me and when i've confronted them privately they all backpedal because again <laughs> it's a different story when you got to tell the person to their face what you want to say it's and like, I, come on, we always say at the end of this podcast, just be kind to one another. It's it's, it's very easy. No, it's, it's, it's so easy. It's, I, it's so of hard. Course, of course. But again, certain people need to be told because otherwise they just feel like they're getting out of the way. Spessy, I love you, dude. And I'm going to yeah, be seeing Spessy you, in Warsaw because I'm going to be in Warsaw. In, yep. In, uh, I will be in Warsaw the weekend of August. August 6th. Yeah. And if all goes well, Pavel, I believe that I've been approved to be there on like the Wednesday or Thursday or something like that. So, nice blue jeans, road trip. <laughs> blue jeans. So, we're doing it, there baby. There we go. There we go. We'll go swing by, pick up Specy somewhere, and then we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll film a, um, like a rap video. And maybe Shinmiri yeah. will be there. We'll hike the whole band back together and just have a good yeah. time. For IRL stuff. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, that was that's what I wanted to get off my chest. Uh, and pe people have asked me why Shinbiri and I weren't casting the event, and that's a whole other story. But I don't know uh, to yeah. what degree we're going to dig into that this episode, if I, even at all. But nonetheless, uh, if anyone's asking, we'll just put it this. I, I still adore Gwent. 
still adore Vlad. I still adore Pavel. I still adore everybody. And I still hope to, in the future, work uh, work Gwent events. And I'm sure a lot of people don't give two hoots about me, but I don't care about what <laughs> about that. <laughs> this is my career, so we're gonna do. I'm gonna do whatever the hell I want. Um, nice. Shall we uh, proceed to the mailbag, my friend? Of course. All right. More than happy to. Welcome back to the mailbag where we take your questions from Reddit and Twitter that you sent to us. Thank you for the questions, first of all. The first one, Flake, start us off because you have everything open. Yeah, so mm-hmm. here's the first one um, that I thought was actually a very good question. It's from Sufficient Loan 3270 uh, on Reddit. The question being, how does this game grow in America? Is it always niche to Europe? American player here hopes someday to see some Americans in the open. Now, there have been uh, North Americans, I believe, that have been in the open. Red Rain has been in uh, on the tournament yeah. scene, but I believe it is just Red Rain. And uh, as a North American representative over the course of five seasons now, I think. Are we in season five? Season four? Uh, season four. I think it's season four. Of, yeah, uh, I think it was. Gwent Masters. Oh. But he was there in season three, if I'm not mistaken. Season three. Season three. And sure. earlier on, if uh, either way, I, I feel you on this because many years ago, people like myself, Mark Theus, and No Control put together what was called the, the Wild Hunt tournaments, the Wild Hunt Championship, which we kind of we kind of positioned it as a North American championship. It was a land tournament. A lot of good players played in it. A lot of awesome people were there. And it became like this gathering. It was more so a little bit of like a celebration, a gathering. The The games were the games. It was great. We had a good time. There was casting. We we created like a belt for the winner, which was the first one was ever, ever was won by Trinet back in the day. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, creating a North American presence, I mean, we tried it. Um, it, it, was, it was good. There are North American players, plenty. I just feel like certain games just have better like the other like the problem is is that when you're playing a card game first of all gwent is very different and if you're in a north american landscape you're already knee deep in fnms and magic uh everywhere uh pokemon digimon all uh, you know uh Yu-Gi-Oh, incredibly popular here uh hearthstone has a massive north american presence with like a tournament scene it kind of it's hard for it to bubble to the top when there's so much competition in Europe, I don't know why in Europe it's so popular. Is it because CDPR is located in in Poland? I, I think believe it's just because CDPR is more popular here in Europe and um, also in places like Russia and stuff like that. So I think that's that is that is pretty much why it is it is more seen here than yeah. it is in, in in the states. So. If I were to give some advice, and I don't like you can, Pavel, you can talk about, you know, CDPR strategy or angles towards America. But my my suggestion is not a light one by any means. It's not an easy one because nobody can just on a whim create a massive tournament uh, for a game that may not have the same momentum and popularity as others do. However, we got a crap load of people who traveled far and wide across American Canada to come to Philadelphia to play Wild Hunt twice. Yeah, we remember. did Wild Hunt 1 and yeah. 2. 
And Wild Hunt 1 was where I got discovered by CDPR and was offered uh, a job hosting Gwent Challenger 5, which then became yep. a permanent casting job, which essentially was a launch pad for my career. So frankly, if I were to say that there was a pivotal moment in my life and career that really set things in motion to for me to be where I am now, it was putting Gwent uh, Wild Hunt 1 on in America. And it was no mm-hmm. easy task, and it was expensive, and it was a lot of effort, but it was so worth it, not just for me personally, but for everybody there to come together. There was amazing human beings that all got together to have a great time. Um, but will we ever see that again? I'm not doing it. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> so if you want to, I would be happy to... There was, there was I remember there was a big following and i think wild hunt was the place where that kind of put everybody together also like Wentelman back in the day i think most of the guys there were kind of na based if i'm not mistaken correct me if i'm wrong um, um yeah. yeah and it was and it was it was thriving there at that time but never to such an extent as it was on the european scene and i feel like maybe if more resources from our end were put there things would look a little bit different. And I also feel like maybe if that community, you know, because I feel like all the major like content creators like Pumpkin and stuff like that, no control that we had back in the day, all those, all those, all those dudes kind of fell off the map at one point, started doing different things. And it's kind of been like that story where we had a very strong presence and then when it kind of shifted and it's kind of a smaller presence right now, right now. And will it ever change? I hope, but it depends if, if someone will kind of, you know, pick up the slack in the community, I would say, and then get more recognition from us. I feel like with people like the salty captain right now, it's kind of happening um with uh you know on the path the witcher podcast like we more visibility and people like brett also there um so kind of the na community growing for stuff that is witcher slash gwent related might take it to you know a a next level moving forward but those are just like speculations on my end so um we kind of have to wait and see how everything evolves uh, no, I don't. Uh, I do not disagree. Um, my only concern is like, if if the NA scene didn't get revved up way back when, like when went we at its peak of popularity, it's going to be tough to do it again. However, that isn't to say that you can't create a a land tournament or create a scene or create a a crew or whatever. There are a, yeah. a lot of good NA players out there. Um, you know. Shinmiri being one of them, uh, you know, I, I don't know how many are out there, but I mean, let's be real. If I wanted to, you know, top sixty-four, if I had enough time and effort and and training, I could probably do it. I just not, it's not easy. It's absolutely not easy, and yeah. there's a, a lot of other things going on in North America, card game wise, that it's hard for for Gwent to, you know, dip a toe in. Not to mention, let's be real. There's no tournament scenes here. There's no there's no smaller circuit, which is yeah. so important. I mean, I Flush- feel like it's also a lack of like bigger teams and stuff like that. All the all the big teams are are, are European based, and they kind of are slowly getting more or less the monopoly on you know figuring out the meta, bringing people together and stuff like that. So yeah. 
maybe that's also like like a deciding factor. Honestly, sure I, don't, it is. I don't think that teams really have that much impact. In all honesty, I mean this this might just be me, but I don't feel like teams really do a whole lot other than create an environment for themselves to um to play test the mitts each other and you know some release meta reports sure, but like what does that do for drumming up the support or the hype within a particular region like it's not like these teams are holding camps you know where people can come and help or what they're just it's just a bunch of people in a discord channel like let's be real like team aratusa doesn't do anything they don't it's the fact (laughs) like i'm not i'm not i was in it and i asked i said what 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 do we what do we do here and they're like well we're kind of a hangout i was like okay well (laughs) you know nothing's really going on like team aratusa used to have a very well-structured um, but a, a lot of the competitive elements to it are gone. And, you know, there are some teams out there that literally just recruit everybody off the top hundred of a ladder that they can so that when a tournament occurs, they can say, hey, that's our guy. That's yeah. our dude. It's like, okay, cool. Like, it's your dude. But it's it's great. Like, it, it is what it is. And fortunately, that's the case. But uh, I would love, I would love, love, love to see... Um, like, other card games have regional tournaments. They have like a, a traveling circus, as it were, of major events. Like in Flesh and Blood, they're the callings. They have a calling yeah. one or two every month that go from city to city. They're major events. People go out to play it. Uh, in Magic, it's the same thing. You have like Grand Prix and like Pro Tour qualifiers and stuff like that. Gwent doesn't have that. Uh, even even Hearthstone yeah. had the Hearthstone Championship Tour, which was basically various lands where you go and if you how where depending on how you place, you earn points for their their system or how however it was. For Gwent, that doesn't exist. Um, they don't do traveling lands. They never did. We had to do those on our own. That's what Wild Hunt was. I feel like if there was something like that in North America, you might start seeing um, a resurgence of North American interest in the game. But yeah, um, the beautiful part is that you can just log in on your computer and play wherever the hell you are. The no. America, an airplane, the toilet, wherever you want to be, you can play some Gwent. <laughs> True that. True that. Yeah, I feel like oh, it's a hard one. I feel like still at first kind of starts off from the community and then it gets more recognition. In our case, it's hardly ever that. Yeah, but we never did like any regional stuff. The only tournaments that we kind of support are the ones that are community London community and it's only with like in-game resources and stuff like that. But it's a it's a whole different topic, whole t- different thing that we could totally get into i think it's a long discussion all right you next up next up um what was the most busted card in black sun ptr do you remember black sun ptr i didn't do the black sun ptr i'm not gonna lie i didn't do the black sun I, PTR. I saw the cards in the list and whatever i just i'm not a good deck builder i'm just not so ptrs for me are not very uh it would do no justice to the ptr itself um so I wasn't going to waste time just being in there slapping new cards together and getting dumpstered by the other better players that were in the PTR. Uh, it wouldn't do anyone any help. So um, I couldn't tell you what the most busted card in the PTR was. I know that I, I, I've only played with like a few of the new cards, but Sir Scratch a lot felt really broken. I, I don't want to say broken. Yeah. It felt yeah. very strong. Shamiri yeah. pointed that one out for sure. I yeah, don't want to say that fun. it's busted because the word... The word broken is is used way too way too Taking often and way too liberally. It's a very strong card. Because frankly, card. it like Sir Scratch a lot can be killed with a, a you know, could be locked, can be whatever, but 
the first time you drop it on the board, it sucks because it's, it has immunity. But I understand why it has immunity because you want to be able to at least have a chance to use the, um, to use the the ability of it at least once before it becomes interactable. But I think that that card is exceptionally strong, and I think that that card is it's a four for eight now. I can see that card going uh becoming a four for ten. I think that that's likely where that is headed. That's just my prediction on the card. But if Thrive doesn't become strong. If Thrive is just the flash in the pan, it's it's a very simple deck to pilot, a very simple deck to build, um, but that doesn't mean it's necessarily the best. So I think that if Thrive becomes super popular and kind of um, is is really a tier one or whatever, I think that that's the card that might get looked at. However, if Thrive is not that powerful, why are we going to kind of nerf a card that is really one of the few bastions of hope of a deck beating a tier one deck. So. No. Yeah, I think Scratch a lot is a is a good example here. Love that card. Love it, love yeah. it, love it. Oh, here's a nice one. Uh, this one's from Cheech. Cheech96. Uh, which is funny because my dad used to call me Chooch. Like, hey, Chooch. <laughs> I don't know why. It was it's an Italian thing, but uh sounds very Italian. Yeah. yeah. Anytime like I had to have friends over or whatever, my dad'd be like, Who's this Chooch? I'm like I don't know. I don't know what it means, but anyways. Uh, so the question is, Renfrey is so cool. Do you plan on making additional cards with a 25 unit restriction? I like when cards have certain deck, like part of the card's um, ability is to limit deck building restrict or to limit deck building options. I think that that is a cool aspect of card gaming. I think some of the, the first experience I ever had with something like this was the old school Reno, Reno Jackson in Hearthstone. Mm -hmm. The one where basically told you like if you have if you have no duplicates in your deck, you heal your hero back full, which was a massive, massive, powerful swing. And it and it came out early enough where your deck was not super powerful because you'd have to make you'd have to put bad cards in to the deck in order to attain that uh, that option. I think that cards that have those kinds of restrictions are very cool. We've seen it with uh, what was it um, not Siri Nova. Um, the um the resilient veiled shield siri what did I, why did i forget her name uh i know which one you mean not siri dash Everybody is it knows. either no way. uh it's not we dash. know y'all know what i'm talking about it's like if your deck has nine provisions or less make this this card the siri gets whatever anything that has those kinds of restrictions the one played in golden necker <laughs> yeah that's the one um that card Remember the old school Siri Nova, which was if your card had, uh, if all of your bronzes were duplicates, you played Siri Nova, and it would she would boost herself by twenty four, or she would strengthen herself by twenty four. She'd become a twenty five point card. Like cards like that are fascinating and fun. The problem with cards that have these kinds of restrictions is that they're only they're most they they have like a sweet spot, like this Goldilocks zone where they're balanced because. A card like Reno Jackson at first, the detriment was you had to fill your cards with less powerful, uh, you fill your deck with less powerful cards in order to attain the criteria for Reno Jackson to have his effect. But mm -hmm. as new sets and new cards came out, you're like, okay, now I don't need to put bad cards in my deck because new cards are out. So this card will replace this crappy card. This good card will replace this crappy card. And suddenly I have a really good deck with a really good condition. And then it's like, well, now we're good. So there's there's a Goldilocks zone where it's just right. It's not too hot. It's not too cold. And I feel like card, cards that have these effects 
can be scary because think of like the old Siri Nova or the, the card we're talking about, the nine provision card. That card was, was those decks were okay until a whole bunch of good nine provision cards came out that really supercharged it. And you're like, okay, now it's a little bit nasty. So that's where I'm thinking about. Will there be more plans to make 25 unit restriction decks? That's that's on you. I mean, the the restriction here for rent free made sense because we wanted to make um, her have a cool ability. Like in the video that Ryan did with with Jean, um, in a in a sense that it was just a funny ability first. This was just like something discard a card, blah blah blah. So kind of what me and Flake were kind of petitioning for that. Whenever Dagon is added to the game, I hope he's garbage. Uh, quote Flake. Uh, <laughs> and this was this was kind of the idea for the reveal that we show like I'm, a bad ability. Yeah. Yeah. I, I need to interject quickly. <laughs> the reason why I want Dagon to be bad is because when people freak out, I want people to I want to re I want people to realize that it was never about Dagon. It was about having a super powerful card. That's what they wanted. Because if Dagon comes out and he's garbage and people are upset about it. I was like, ah, see, it was never about Dagon. You just wanted something really broken no, that you used to play. About, it's about the character that people like. Because Dagon used to be good, like we said in a previous episode. Yes. And Renfrey was highly anticipated because she's a badass character from the books. And the story. So they wanted a cool ability attached to her. And and kind of this restriction on deck building in this case made sense. And like Flake mentioned, Siri Nova has is also a good example of that. Shoop is a good example of that. So cards that kind of limit you in the terms of like in terms of like what you're building in your deck, but kind of give you a good payout if you stick to the restrictions that you have within the card itself. Yeah. And cool. with this one, I think it kind of just made made sense to have it that way. So um, hard to say what will come in the future, but whenever we release any major important characters, I feel like they need to have some oomph to them something something that makes them unique and stand out amongst the crowd sounds good next up what do you got for this us? was a cool question that i liked uh let me just find it uh da -da -da -dum. draft updates will the eclipse board make it back to the shop nope it was just there Blah 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 blah. Someone someone that we didn't answer is trying to put their questions back in. If we didn't answer you, that means maybe it was the question. Uh, I can't find it, but it was a it was a good question uh, about what um, clothing stores do oh, we go to. Where do we get our where do we get our uh... where do we get our clothes? Well, like mine's mine's a Gwen T-shirt, so that's easy. I'm wearing. I'm wearing gym shorts and a and a t-shirt that was given to me by Harry Tarantula. Like Oh, I got it. By Cachaceiro. Cachaceiro, I don't know, one day ago. Uh I want to know where you guys buy your clothes and what looks do you store in your wardrobes? Edit, I mean really I want to dress cool like you guys. I don't first of all, I don't think I dress cool. <laughs> so let's start with that. Yeah. Um I, I don't, I don't remember. I don't go like clothing shopping. Like I'm very much a, oh, okay, I need a new pair of jeans. So I'm just going to go get a new pair of jeans. Uh, and I'm very much the type where it's incredible how cyclical um, fashion can be sometimes where I'll go through old clothes that I have. Like I, every spring 
or winter, like twice a year, I'll usually just do kind of like a little bit of a cleanup and I'll go donate some of my old clothes to uh, like a shelter or whatever. Yeah. Or uh, oftentimes, especially in winter, winter is terrible here in Canada sometimes. So when I'm downtown, if I have to go downtown in winter, I usually bring two care care package bags of like, uh, it's usually like a sweater, pants, some socks, like a scarf and like some uh, some cookies or something, and then the I usually wherever I'm going, if I if there's a homeless person, I'll just leave the bag next to them, and or whatever, because it's terrible. It's it's like sometimes it's like awful. Uh, that's usually where my clothes go, and when I need new clothes, usually it's like if there's a sh- t-shirt or something that I was like, oh, that is a wicked cool t-shirt. Like it's usually because it's a Star Wars thing, or it's it's associated with something that I'm very passionate about, like card games or whatever. If I if I have that. Like most of the time, if you see me on video or something, the clothing I'm wearing is either a like a store that sponsors me, like Harry Tarantula, or a um, or it's Star Wars related, or it's a Gwent shirt, or it's uh, a Seinfeld shirt or something like that. Like that's it. That's what I wear. Um, and gym shorts because they're comfortable and easy to wear, and that's it. Uh, so I will say this: fashion is something that's very subjective. It's something that you yourself want to reflect how you feel who you are and whatnot um you know i i don't i don't think that your mission should be to look like us i think your mission should be to look like yourself and to wear what's comfortable and wear what you what you want to show off and that's perfectly fine find your style um i've always enjoyed skate clothing the most um i love a pair of vans i love also a pair of adidas shoes um or nikes or whatever uh, nikes mainly for running um same with adidas i have a couple pair that's that's the running shoes i started with and then they kind of transition into being my walk around town shoes i really enjoy shorts anything that is gym shorts or loose fit same as flake um just to chill like in because they're the most comfortable um materials easy to wash and and i think that's also important um still i spend also a lot of time in like bike clothing that's like a whole simple that's like a whole other you know story that we can get into Mm -hmm. um but from like normal day-to-day clothing is just if i need something i go buy it same as flake um i am not into fashion or anything like that but i feel like the same goes with anything that's I kind of like the the, the I, I like two things a lot. I like tie-dye stuff a lot. And I also love just black t-shirts with a logo or something. I have a lot of like for these recordings or any other recordings, I always wear CDPR stuff, mainly that comes from our store or uh, because I get to like get these things for free and actually like, you know, I feel like working on Gwent and being... A face of the game for quite some time i feel like you know i, I kind of owe it back to them to kind of rep the company and i and i do it with you know full proudness because uh, i love cdpr i love my job i love where i am today and it's crazy that i've managed to to come to this place and so i'm very thankful for that um and i also feel like whatever you feel suits your style and you like you should go towards it like if you like it if you if you feel comfortable in it you should go toward that so for me t-shirt hoodie short jeans long jeans vans sneakers 
And uh, apart from that, like having some Adidas running style shoes, which are super comfortable just to walk around town are things that I always kind of go through. I'm not a sneaker head. I'm not a fashion junkie. Uh, I don't follow Vogue and whatever is cool and stuff like that. I just, I, I love a t-shirt with a skull on the back or something like that. Uh, something a little bit of punk rock and cool. And that's my, that's yeah. my jam. That's my vibe. I don't care if it's cool or not. I like it. Honestly, I, like, I, it. I think that I just stopped caring about it. Like once I, I started to develop like self con like a lot more self-confidence and stuff like that, like I just didn't care. Like no. there were days where if I, did, I, if I left the house, I had to have my contact lenses in my hair had to be done i had to make sure that i was wearing a good shirt you know nice jeans whatever like i that to me was like what i needed to project now i just don't give a i don't give yeah. a shit <laughs> like i don't as long as you get out of the house and you don't stink Dude, and that's stink it and you look good it's, don't it's stink good. that's it like <laughs> i as i'm my hygiene is my is what i'm mo most concerned about whenever i leave the house but like that's it uh you know like my confidence comes from my personality it's not my it's not my clothing so when you know, I'm confident that if I meet somebody that, you know, I can present a, a good version of myself based on that. It's not necessarily going to be what I'm wearing. Like, you know, that's kind of yeah. all right. Um, uh, there was a question here. Let's just briefly mull over this real quick, uh, which is from read and write. one. Will there be uh, will season uh, seasonal mode be available to play someone on friends list? I don't know if that's even on. CDPR's it is something that we were we're thinking about, but um, yeah, let's see if it's if it's actually possible yeah. down down the road. But it's our it's our it's on our radar. Yeah. Uh, and the other question that they asked was: uh, Is there any chance to add seasonal designations to the Plaguewent library? A deck made for irresistible attraction mode. Yeah, you can do that. It's called naming the deck. It's when you go and you click on the deck and you can name it. You write irresistible attraction. And there you yes. have you have designated uh, you have designated it. Yeah. But the the question I actually wanted to bring up, uh, which was decentiflut uh, or whatever. Uh, what are major factors contributing towards a healthily developing card game and a card game community? How can longevity be achieved? What are factors contributing to freak occurrences like MTG, which has been around since forever? Um, a freak occurrence. I don't think it's necessarily a freak occurrence, but I understand what you're trying to get at, which is that MTG has essentially been the the king of the hill for uh, 25 years, and the grandpa of card games, basically, and that's perfectly fine. It's been around for that long for a reason, like 25 to 30 years. Um, part of it, I think, is the fact that it was one of the first major impacting yeah. card games, which is definitely part of it, and the culture around it has just thrived. Um, what are major contributing factors to a healthy developing card game and community? I mean, I think that like most successful card games that I've ever played have had um have had very responsive development teams and design teams um amidst bad you know like a lot of it was like there wasn't a lot of of time between problem and solution that usually is a situation that can promote and really lead to the momentum of a card game gaining good reputation amidst the the community and growing that community the other is a is a healthy competitive scene I've, that is the one yeah. thing that i've honestly always believed is necessary for card games to truly thrive because casual stuff like you know anybody can can play casually but how often do you play crazy eights like you know like there's no competitive scene to it there's no 
that might be a simplification, but I find that the most the most important or so the most successful card games typically have a thriving competitive scene that people can tune into or or strive for that it's attainable as well it's not a pipe dream in that regard i think that that really um nurtures what a good community can be and uh i mean in all honesty a good community is also one that wants to be a good community that can sort of let let the positivity flow and kind of snuff out and and deal with the negative aspects it's much like streaming you know when i used to stream uh anyone who wanted to stir shit and be a, a jackass would usually be first dealt with by the people within the chat because that's the community that they wanted to develop and, and deal with like that is a, it's a self-policing issue in that regard so i think that that is part of it as well yeah um let's start off uh, mine will be very similar healthy community that's one a game that is being balanced or has content added on a more or less regular basis where people can try new stuff, play new stuff, and have this freshness coming into the game. Um, yeah, I think a well-balanced game for sure uh, attracts more players, especially if they're already card game players. Different story if you're not, not a card game player, then there are games which are easier to play, there are games which are more RNG-based and games that are easier to get into, um, which I feel some of them are, some of them maybe are more difficult. Um, did I mention a healthy competitive scene? I think I did. Yeah. But if not, you also mentioned it. It's very important. Esports scene um, where players actually get to play on a, on a higher level and bring like super crazy decks and also pilot them in just like killer matters that uh, most of us can't even figure it out. Um, and yeah, I think those, like if you have content, if you have community and if you have competitiveness, these are all things that contribute to a good, a good card game. I also feel like it's important to have a good onboarding in a card game to get players actually into the game itself. Although like what, what I've seen throughout the years with card games, it's, it's very hard to get non-card game players into card games. It's much easier to get a player that played card games back in the day like i did magic into other card games very easily because you have some type of basis or you're able to even if the game's totally different you're able to kind of associate some things from the game that you played previously to the game that you're trying or to learn now so or or just by spotting the differences between them that's already something so yeah all these things are are very important and i think it's also difficult because um like I started reading more in since I'm learning Flesh and Blood and stuff like that. I kind of started going back to content that was done like a year ago and stuff like that uh, by people and especially from people who do um, like magic content, like Tolarian Community College, and they also do um, they did a he like the professor he did a little bit of like Flesh and Blood stuff and he started uh, seeing people saying that oh this game like. It won't, you know, it won't become a thing. It's a pyramid scheme. Cards are super expensive. Like this has no long, long, like this has no longevity to it. It's going to die out. It's weird. Blah, 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 blah. Like all the, all the like worst comments that you can get. And this was in 2021. And we're in 2022. 
there's just callings happening everywhere. The community is growing. More people are trying to game. There's a lot of magic people like transitioning since, you know, Wizards dropped the ball on all the stuff related to um, how they did esports, like esports on their side. So the competitive scene was left alone and they dropped some important stuff from like Pro Tours and stuff like that where they messed up. And that's where Flesh and Blood came in and kind of swooped it in. When other card games are focusing on doing stuff digitally, they are doing stuff in the physical realm, bringing people together after a time where everybody was stuck at home and couldn't do that, which is, for me, it's just great positioning here. And they're not doing it because it's only, oh, we want to sell, sell, sell. We want to do, but they found their niche, I feel like. Yeah. And, you know, there's questions from people like, oh, will this game ever be digital? No, it's flesh and blood. It's supposed to be played in flesh and blood. And it's new, it's fresh. And I feel like it's a, it's a, and, and if any card game comes out right now, if it brings something new and fresh, people are going to go towards it. Look at Snap, right? Maybe it's not very available to everybody right now, but having the game be played pretty much in six minutes per match is something totally new. You don't get that in other games. Gwent matches around 20 minutes. Magic can be from five to, I don't know, 60 even easily. Um, Flesh and Blood, I don't know. I've only played Blitz decks. I don't know how long the matches uh, last. Flay can tell you that. But, I mean, all these card games bring something different. Hearthstone, RNG Fiesta, if you like that, go full RNG. Um, Runeterra uh, has your favorite uh, characters from League of, League of Legends, right? You can go there. Uh, enjoy that. Every card game that comes out has something different for everybody to try. And I feel like if you find your niche, if, you, if your game is different, if it brings something cool to the table, it will attract people and it will start growing if the company behind it pays enough attention and time into it. And that's, that's my answer. Well, that's, that's good. Good enough. I think that, uh, that might wrap it up. There's a... I mean, all the other questions that we got were, I was like, uh, rework I, this. I, and... I have one question from, from, from Twitter yeah. um, that I wanted us to get into. Let's do it. Uh, when you play Gwent or any other card game, is there any specific type of music that you like to listen to in the background? Ah, as somebody and who... This used... is a good question from Atitia Mulia yes. uh, from Twitter. Thank you for that. Um, the... So any recommendation on playlists or music to play while playing Gwent. I mean, this goes with a little bit of the fashion thing. It's kind of a subjective thing, whatever gets your mojo going. I know that when I used to stream regularly before the whole DMCA kind of downfall of Twitch, I mean, part of the joy I had of playing card games was I could listen to the music I want, jam games, and have a good time. I mean, it doesn't take long for you to go back into the archives of Flake streaming where it'd be, you know, 11 p.m. on a Friday night and I'm jamming Backstreet Boys and getting loaded while having a great time playing Gwent. Like, that's, that's just part of it. But now that that's not there, I mean, I, I, like, I like playing uh, or like listening to music that I just, I would, that I would be playing while on a road trip. Like, the kind of, like, those banger songs that you're just, like, hit after hit after hit. Um, those deep cuts, like, those really good, like, I just, you know, but it goes all over the place. Like, I, again, it's much like, um, some people like the cinematic stuff like you'll put on like the lord of the rings um 
um, movie soundtrack or, or the Witcher soundtrack and all this stuff and listen to those. Somebody like some people like to really immerse themselves in the cinematics of it. I'm very much somebody where I'm like, I want, I want like a bunch of, you know, slam some Backstreet Boys on there, some Boys to Men. I want to hear some Dr. Dre. I want some Ice Cube on there. Give me some Elvis Presley, some Justin Timberlake, some John Mayer. Hook me up with some Incubus. I want a little bit of Pearl Jam mixed in there, a little bit of Foo Fighters. Like, I'm all over the place. Like, hit me up with some Spice Girls, like, in sync. You know, like oh I'm God. everywhere across the board, like everywhere across the board. But these are my jams, like anything like uh, sometimes if I'm lazy, I'll just be like 90s. Just give me a 90s playlist. Gin Blossoms, you know, some all over like everything. Some Third Eye Blind, you know, like Matchbox 20. Like hit me with Matchbox those. 20, nice. Yeah, baby. Give me those. That's that's my answer to that. Yeah, for me, uh, it's a mix of, of course, Witcher music, which I adore, truly, especially Blood and Wine soundtrack. I can I can listen to that on the loop. Apart from that, um, I go 90s, but I go more into the rock music. Uh, I also like a little bit of punk rock. I like I like classical st- classic stuff like The Clash, The Sex Pistols, stuff like from and also like music, which is weird, like Dead Can Dance, for example. I don't know. Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Um, I'm more towards that type of stuff. So yeah, a little bit of also like Old Sabbath, Iron Maiden. Uh, so yeah, that that type of deal. So for me, it's a it's also a mixture. But I'm I'm leaning more towards um, the rock genre, maybe a little bit of pop. But I will not go all the way to NSYNC, Britney Spears, and. Christina Aguilera, Rihanna, and all those all those uh, avenues of music. <laughs> I feel like I have a very specific taste in music um, that was developed uh, thanks to my dad. That was always listening to it was mainly rock music, um, and but also a little bit of electronic from time to time, like classic stuff like Kraftwerk, for example, which I adore, and I can listen also to anything that they do. And but they're all like they're old dudes right now, so yeah. yeah. But I'm yeah. also getting older, so it's fine. <laughs> I dig it. Awesome. I dig it. Yeah. So yeah, uh, the the rest of the questions were a lot. I'm like, uh, balance this, rework this. When is this in the shop? We have no idea. We don't do balance, yeah. and I don't put things in the shop. I don't think you do either. So that's it. When rework this? Uh, we don't know. That's happy that premium tokens fell off the map. I think someone even on Reddit noticed, like, oh, it's been such a long time since there was a question about premium tokens. Maybe Why they're did learning. You say that? Why Maybe the hive mind is learning. Yeah, I guess the Borg are assimilating. They're figuring it yes. out. Yes. Uh, it's all good. Resistance is futile. <sighs> yeah. <sighs> it's all good. It's been <laughs> a great episode, man. It was. We had no script on this one. We just kind of. Blew off the handle. All in. Yeah, lots going on. But there's just a lot going on. Rogue Mage, Black like Sun, Fab, See that? Larry Cup. Yeah, my 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 official Open. Larry mug. Yeah. There everything, is. everything, everything, all at once. That's it. Everything, everywhere, all, all at, at once. once. Yeah. <laughs> uh, crazy movie. Good movie. Um, yeah. All right, I'm gonna end the episode as I do every episode and say, actually, last episode I didn't do this, so I, I feel I actually thought about it all week. I was like, I did not tell Pavel I love him at the end of the episode, so I love Dude, you, man. But we, we 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 told ourselves like twice in chat that we love each other after the the thing. Yeah. Because that's... I remember I was running off to go to a cycling thing, and I was like, Yeah, I love you, man. I love you too, man. Take care. So yeah, 
yeah i love you too man oh, good stuff and that's uh that's about it that's all so thank you very much to everybody for for listening for submitting your questions and uh yeah i know that we can be rough around the edges over here sometimes but um yeah and also to it the comes one from a good place to the one person uh who commented on the previous video and said i've, I've fallen off the map that i've uh, lost my way and that i'm i'm insignificant cool story bro I will I will laugh and laugh at all of the work and career that I build as you continue to say dead game and <laughs> what is wrong with you. I love uh, you the most, frankly. But uh, yeah. that's not true. I love you the most. <laughs> Aw. Got him. Of course. Got him. All right. End it. Yeah. End it. Pull the cord. Yeah. Most importantly, remember, you're not losing if you're learning. Keep playing the game. And yeah. Keep playing the game and be nice to one another. I think something that we 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 need to highlight a little bit more. Be nice to one another. And enjoy card games. Doesn't matter which, which card game it is. It can be MTG, it can be Gwent, it can be Fab, it can be Rentera, it can be Hearthstone, it can be anything. If you're having fun, I'm having fun. If you're spreading positive energy out there and you're getting positive energy from it, do it. Because yeah, this is you only live once, so why live unhappy, sad, angry, and all that where you can just be happy and doing cool stuff and thriving like larry is love you guys cards, cards. bye bye